To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, the huddle with us this evening, Tim Beveridge, News Talk ZB host, Ali Jones, Red PR and community board member. Hi, you two. Hello. Hi, Ali, bef- before we even carry on, you are banned from using the phrase pale, know, stale male. I'm not Don't going do to it. listen to it back. I won't. I, no, I've okay. written it down. It's in front of me. I'm not going to use it. <laughs> if it's written, I'm worried if it's written in front of you, you might actually say it. Listen, <laughs> I want to talk about what's going on with the swimming world. Uh, the decision by the Swimming Governing Body International, Ali, to ban trans women from competing against biological women, mm. unless, you know, a few caveats, but basically banned. Do you agree with it or not? Yeah, I heard what you said before, and I thought you hit the nail on the head, actually. Um, And it's brave of you to say that, because, my God, if you stick your head above the parapet on this issue, you are transphobic immediately. I've seen this happen many times, you know, in in the work that I do with with midwives and with women's health. But I've been listening to some commentary on it on both sides. It's an absolute minefield. But I think the key here is about getting the balance right, and I think that's what your commentary really nailed, you know, the balance between transgender rights and the rights of the women to be able to compete in, in their area of expertise, their high-level sports, they want to achieve their goals and, and dreams. And I think the issue is, what's that balance? And I think it's a physiological question and can only really be answered by experts, and, and that's not me. So I just wanted to say, I thought what you said was spot on, Heather. Oh, thank you. Tim, what do you think? I mean, you know, Dave Gerard's point was that women at the top of their, at the, at the absolute peak of running in the Olympics would still potentially be beaten or matched by a 14-year-old boy that who is obviously, you know, an athlete, not just every random 14-year-old boy. But that says a lot about the power that the male body has over the female body. It makes you think that this is the only decision that any of these sporting bodies can reach, ultimately. Yeah, I think the, the problem has been that issues of fairness have been turned into this political argument. And they impl- there's an implication that somehow by um, not allowing transgender athletes to compete, that somehow you're not having empathy for their choices that they've made for their lives. And it's not about that. It's simply just about fairness for half of the global population uh, being women who want to compete against their peers being other women. And I think, the, you know, the other story in this to me is FINA, good on them. They've, they've, uh, they've got the courage to make a common sense decision. The International Olympic Committee, what a bunch of chickens. You know, they pass it on to everyone else. They should be taking leadership on this, but instead they're sort of leaving it up to individual bodies. So there's still going to be a hodgepodge of inconsistent um, and emotionally motivated arguments that have got yeah. nothing to do with the fair playing field. Now, Ali, that's a fair point that Tim makes because that's not sustainable long term. You can't have an Olympics where in some sports you have women, trans women competing and in others you don't. Well, yeah, I agree. So what happens now? Who is it that is a, has the overall say in all of this? Uh, because you're right, this is, I think, the first organisation to come out and, 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 you know, take this, draw this line in the sand. So, look, I don't know the answer to that. I chuck it back to you. Who is it that does make this final decision for everyone? Yeah, well, it should be the IOC, but as Tim says, they're not doing it. Now, Tim, did yeah. you catch the story about the Indian national who's getting deported on account of the fact that he and his wife broke, well, both of them are getting deported because they broke the COVID rules? Do you think that's disproportionate? Yes. It's the same situation. Tim. No, no, Tim. No, no, no. No, no, no. Tim is, Tim is underwater. Tim is going to sort out his phone line and we're going to come back to him. What do you reckon, Ellie? 
Yeah, look, I, I heard a bit of what Tim was saying down the pipe there, and yeah, it is, it's ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're being deported because of the breach, which didn't actually result in a conviction because the judge said that the conviction would be out of all proportion to the gravity of the offending. So what does immigration do? They deport them. Yeah, that, that's not out of proportion. I mean, I'm seeing, we're, we're in mid-Canterbury at the moment, and I'm seeing, you know, employers down here struggling to get employees who are actually had their visitors, their working visas rather, run out. Perhaps if immigration spent some time on helping employees in this part of the country keep some of these overseas employees instead of mucking around with these these two people who are being kicked out of the country. I just thought it was awful. It's way out of proportion, and I just don't know what the hell's going on with an immigration. I just, I just want to confirm, Ali, that the word that you used was mucking, wasn't it? Oh, yes, I said mucking, mucking um, about. <laughs> Oh, Good. my God, oh, come no, out wrongly. No, okay. We thought, geez, it's escalated. We banned one phrase and it got replaced by something else entirely. Tim, we, we lost you there. What were you saying? Oh, it was, it was genius. I wonder if I can recreate it. Yeah, look, I think it's the same sledgehammer approach from immigration that we saw with the lockdown that went far too long. I think, actually, it's a heartless decision. And I have no idea how they make such... You know, when, when the judge... Uh, discharged without conviction and can see the human side of it and how difficult it was. I just think it's it's just, again, the faceless, um, heartless face of bureaucracy. Uh, I think it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it does, be- it does beg the question, as I said earlier, what happened to Be Kind? All right, we'll come back to you, have a little chat about the Tauranga by-election and this cost that's going on the, the GPs by Middlemore, 14 away from 12, away from 6. And you're back to Tim Beveridge and Ali Jones. Tim, um, the, the, the guys, well, I can name the person, Andrew Little, who runs the health ministry, um, tells us that the hospitals are coping. And yet you see that we are paying $1,400 an hour to each GP to be able to help Middlemore. It's not, it, this is not, this is not coping, is it? No, no, it's, it's absolutely not. I mean, God, I just wish Andrew Little would just answer with a little bit of humility and honesty around the struggles of the health system, rather than banging on about, oh, this is years of neglect, which is only, a, which is pretty much a very close cousin of the nine years of neglect. But of course, it's that far ago that he has to take into account the five years that Labor have had this issue to get on top of, and plenty of notice about the shortages in ICU capacity and hospital capacity. So, yeah, I don't know what the solution is to it because we've got this international labour shortage, but just a little bit of uh, frank honesty from uh, Andrew Little, which doesn't involve blaming everyone but Andrew Little. Would you agree with that, Ali, that actually these guys in charge right now, being Andrew Little and everybody else involved in the the Ministry of Health, need to actually just say, yeah, look, we didn't do well enough? Or do they they get away with blaming everybody? I don't know what advice the minister's getting, and I see this in more than one area at the moment in the government. And if I was a minister in the government, I'd be concerned about and be questioning of some of the information I've been given. There are two things here that concern me. Firstly, why was this not organised better? You know, I've heard people who are involved in this. Dr. Api Talimaitanga said to the, uh, the Herald that, you know, he didn't even know this was happening until Friday afternoon. To me, that just sounds like an aptitude. It's one thing, you know, needing this urgently, and I, I agree with. Tim, this has not been a snap election. There are many issues, like the emergency housing issue, you know, that have been going on and on and just have band-aids put on them. So it's not only about it not being uh, unforeseen, but it's the fact that this wasn't planned for. It just seems common sense to me, and someone is, someone's not doing their job, and I don't think the ministers are getting the right information, to be frank. Yeah, fair enough. Now, Tim's phone is so bad, Ellie, that he's actually dropped off altogether, although I can see he's calling us back. In the <laughs> me- <laughs> Jeez, honestly, men and, men and technology. Bye, in the bye. meantime... 
the Tauranga mm. by-election. Um, my takeaway from it is that if things are returning to, to status quo, Labour has got a little bit of trouble because in 2017, actually, they didn't poll that well. What do you see? Well, the stuff that I've read, and you know about this far more than and far better than I would, would um, Heather, but I, I hear that um, the Prime Minister says that this is not too difficult, or, sorry, too different to what Labour did in Tauranga when it became government in yeah. 2017. So I don't see what the difference is there. I think there's a much bigger issue happening here, and I, but I wouldn't read into what happened in Tauranga uh, as being an indicator of what's going to happen at the next election. Why not? Well, because I think there are much bigger issues, and I think we're going to see the the, the Labour hold, if you like, be chipped at right across the country. Uh, and the fact that this is not too different to what happened in 27 doesn't suggest to me that this is a huge swing or a change. No, and that's the thing, isn't it, Tim? If it's a reflection of 2017, which is exactly what I'm seeing, then it means that we are returning to pre-pandemic normal, which means national mid-40s Labour, mid-30s Labour losers. Well, it's not good news for, for Labour. And I, 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 the expression into something, I don't know how much you can read into it, but what we can observe is that uh, the Prime Minister didn't turn up to fight her corner as the other party leaders did. And I think that actually was a mistake, even though she was probably on a hiding to nothing on that. Um, I think that at some stage you've got to show that you're in there for a tough fight. And look, look, look at the benefit that ACT got out of it. They wouldn't have been able to win either, but David Seymour turned up with his candidate. They got stuck in, and they've earned some kudos, whereas it's just been a, it's been a bit of a lose-lose, I think, for Labour, and they, they should have fronted and fought it and said, look, even if we don't win, we're here for the people of Tauranga because we're here for the tough fights and not just mm-hmm. the easy ones. Guys, it's really good to talk to you. Thank you so much. Ali Jones, uh, Tim Beveridge, I huddled this evening. Can I be honest with you? Actually, I think the Prime Minister did the right thing staying away because there's nothing worse than turning up for a spanking and then everybody seeing you've got a spanking, which is exactly what National was always going to win this. So politi- political, the, the, the smart political way to play it for her is just to not turn up at all because you don't turn up to a fight you're going to lose, do you? That's just stupid. Eight away from six.